0: Man, 17 people last week. Isn't that incredible? 17 people just, you know, just stepping over the line of faith and saying, you know what, I want to put on the Jesus jersey. I want to, I'm a fan, and uh, it's not easy. It's not easy to do that, okay? Like, I'm just, le- just letting you know. It's not easy to get up there. You never know if the pastor is going to hold you down a little bit longer or not, you know? Um, so I want to welcome you guys to week three of Unreligious Unreligious. Undoing religion in your life. My name is Alex Villardi. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint, and whether you're joining us here in person or online, uh, we're thrilled to have you here. We're in the middle of a series of a study, I should say, on the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, Galatians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be today, Galatians chapter 2. And uh, let me just say this as you're turning there. Today, after our second service, we're going to have a family fall fest orientation for our volunteers. If you have not signed up to serve just yet, uh, it would mean uh, the world to me. If you would do that, how do you sign up? Just go to our website lifepointFC.com and at the very top there's a little uh, thing that you a little link that you click on and it'll literally take you 30 seconds you can do that right now. We are We have over a thousand people. Uh, or add a thousand people registered okay uh, that's a lot of people for us to to serve and so I am counting on you so today if you can maybe go have breakfast come back or lunch brunch whatever come back after the second service uh, be here it would mean the world to me uh, I can't do it on my own uh, we are better together and so um, I can't uh, I can't think of any way, anywhere else to plead with you. Uh, my prayer is to have at least 100 volunteers serving our community and making a difference. Uh, plus, you'll have a great time with your family. So um, so how do, how do I sign up? lifepointfc.com, and it'll take you just a couple of uh, seconds to do that. All right, so Galatians chapter 2. Let me kind of do a little bit of a recap just in case you're stepping into the room or you're joining us online and you've missed one of the last couple of weeks week 1 we said religion is never enough religion is never enough it actually in my opinion it's a major problem in our world today i i know that there's a lots of people who are turned off to god a good god because of religion many people will not even consider the claims of jesus christ because of religion the verse that we're anchoring ourselves to during the series is it comes from isaiah 29 verse 13 from the good news bible and this verse god is talking to a group of people and he's saying man they don't they claim to worship me but they're Their words are meaningless. It's almost like their hearts are somewhere else. It's like rituals and regulations. And then God says this in this verse, Isaiah 29, verse 13. He says, their religion, look it up, it's on the screen. Their religion is nothing but human rules and traditions. And I like this translation because it uses the word religion, which is kind of the theme of of the series that we're doing. Their religion is nothing but a bunch of rules and traditions and um, that they have memorized. In other words, it's man-made. It's plastic. And we know that in the Old Testament, God had given some rules. I'm not saying that rules are always bad. I'm not saying that tradition is always bad. But it's bad when we add to God's Word. And in the Old Testament, they had added, I don't know, like over 600 Uh, Rules and commands that God had not given. And so God's going over this, and he's saying, you know what? What you have is religion, not relationship. It's plastic. It's man-made. You're just checking off the boxes. It was never intended to be that way. So week one, religion is never enough. Week two, religion does not work. That's what we learned from the book of Galatians. It doesn't work. Why? Because it uses three tools. There's three tools that religion uses, and it's all about control, by the way, okay? It uses three tools, and those three tools are fear, guilt, and pride. If you want to know a little bit more about that, go back and listen to the podcast. Three tools that religion will use, fear, guilt, pride. We learned that the word religion comes from the root word from it. It comes from the root word bondage, which means to tie or to bind And Paul is very clear in Galatians chapter 5. Paul is like, Jesus came to set you free. And in the verse, and I'm quoting, he says, So make sure that you stay free. There's a reason why God's telling you that. Make sure that you stay free. Don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Okay, it's so easy. I would almost say that most churches... In the world, they lean that way, okay? Unless they're being led very strategically and very intentionally, most churches, the natural lean is to to tie you up with rules and regulations, man-made stuff, okay? So that's a little bit of a recap from the last two weeks. Let's look into our verses today. Today, week three, we're talking about learning how to deal with difficult people. Okay, great message. Dealing with difficult people. Verse 1, chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, Paul speaking. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas. Keep that in mind, Barnabas, because it's going to come out at the end of the message, so this is really important. So this is Paul speaking. He's going to Jerusalem, and he's going with Barnabas. He, Barnabas was like one of his close, like he's a social pastor, okay? Like Paul's right-hand man. And with Titus, and Titus along, uh, came along too, he says, all right? Verse 2. I went there, so he goes to Jerusalem. Why? I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church. Because Jerusalem was like the epicenter of all religious affairs, what the temple was and all of that. So he says, while I was there, I met privately with those who considered to be the leaders of the church and shared with them the message that I had been preaching to the Gentiles. Now, if you're not like a Bible scholar or whatever, the Gentiles... They're not used to the Jewish religions, okay? So for many of them, when Christ comes and they start following Christ, they're, they're actual converts because they're, they're letting go of their pagan practices and they're moving on with Jesus. So that was a, a huge radical change. For the Jewish people, they had been expecting the Messiah. So it wasn't much of that. They just kept going, okay? And they just followed Jesus, So Paul is going back to Jerusalem. He's talking to the leaders, and he's saying to them, "This is the way I taught the Gentiles, the people, the newcomers, the people that don't have, they don't hold on to, they don't, they're not familiar with the the rules that the Jewish people have, the Old Testament, and all of that." He says, "The end of verse two. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement. I want to make sure that we're on the same page, for fear." that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing verse 3 and they supported me, the leaders there in Jerusalem, they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised. That was one of the rules that you had to, you know, if you wanted to be a convert, convert, you have to be circumcised. Okay? It was taken from the Old Testament, but now under the New Covenant, Jesus had come, He had died, He come back from the dead. That was no longer necessary. Okay? So they said, they supported me, and they did not demand that my companion titles be circumcised, though He was a Gentile. Now, He's saying that because there are some Jewish believers who weren't demanding... They weren't demanding rules that were no longer necessary. Everybody, are you tracking? Give me a thumbs up, thumbs up. Okay, everybody good? Okay, awesome. Let's keep going. Paul clarifies. He says this. Even that question about circumcision came up only, and he tells us why it came up, only because of some, watch this, so-called believers there, false ones, really, Who were secretly brought in. Watch this. Don't miss this. Okay. They sneaked in to spy on us. And to take away the freedoms that we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us. And force us to follow their Jewish regulations. Verse 5. But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. I love that. Not even a single moment. Nobody should bind you. Not even for a single moment, Paul says. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. Let's bow for a word of prayer as we, as we get into the message. Father God, I pray that you give us clarity to understand your word. Set us free from whatever it is that's holding us back. Whether it's people, whether it's religion, whether it's things, guilt, pride, shame. God, set us free, Lord. I pray that your spirit would convict our hearts in a fresh way God if there's change that needs to be happening in our lives God I pray that you would help us to readjust to confess whatever it is that we need to do Lord and God we just dedicate the next 25 minutes 24 minutes to you and we ask that you would just clear our minds and help us understand your word we pray in Jesus name amen all right so Paul is dealing with some difficult people and we'll get to that in a minute um but there's one thing that I can say, as different as we all may be, there's one thing that I can guarantee you we all have in common. You know what that is? We all have to deal with people. All of us. You know, whether, I mean, whether you have to work with them, whether you have to put up with them, whether it's, you know, like you, some of you, you, you have to live with them, you have to depend on, on them. So all of us, okay, it's one of those messages like I'm going to, it's, everybody's going to get something on this one, all right, you're not off the hook, nobody's off the hook on this one, all of us have to deal with people, and many of us, we have to deal with difficult people. And it's, from time to time, it's, it's very, very, very challenging. And so this is one of those messages that I think, man, it cannot get any more practical than this. There is so much insight from God's word, and I cannot wait to share it with you. But uh, as we introduce the subject, here's what I want to do. I want to I wanna ask six volunteers to come up here. And I've already kind of recruited a few of them. So you guys come on over. And these are going to represent our difficult people, all right? Um, I'm not saying that they're difficult. I'm just saying they're going to represent are difficult people okay so say one two three four five six okay fantastic so mr mike i'm gonna ask you to just come up here all right and then you come over here all right so so all of us you know we're all different right some of the some of us are a little bit more ugly than others and whatnot (laughs) um but um different dna different fingerprints different way of thinking different you know they're all different right when we talk about difficult people, I could give you a hundred categories. But what I want to do today is I want to kind of narrow it down. So I'm just going to give you six, all right? And so the first category, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, is the, the know-it-alls, okay? The know-it-alls, they're a little bit arrogant, okay? They're a little bit, you know, you, you've, you've met the type. Let me see, Who's, who looks like a good know-it-all? I'm going to pick on my wife, all right? Because... <laughs> I love her, and you know she. You know, for was it for Mother's Day? Or was it? Or was your okay? For we bought like a bunch of things that said "Mama knows," like a T-shirt that says that. It's like you should have worn that today, you know. Um, "Mama knows," like mouse pad and a bunch of stuff so you're gonna be our know-it-all okay so just for just to play along what I want you to do is kind of raise your chin and just kind of like kind of look look down on me all right like mama knows you know Leah knows it all you've dealt with the type right um not that Leah's arrogant at all I do want to go home and you know not be in the doghouse um But the know-it-alls, for the most part, they're arrogant, okay? They know it all, okay? You confront them, and they're going to take it very personally. It's no good. All right, so um, the second category is the passives. The passives are people, they're really hard to get to know. Like, you want to build a relationship with them. You want to find out a little bit. You know, they have an opinion on things. They're kind of like the know-it-alls in in that they know, and they have opinions, they have things that they stand for, but... They don't tell you, all right? So the passive, it's going to be super simple. I'm going to ask you, Lene, to be a passive. All you need to do super simple. is the easiest one of all. Just kind of put your hands like this, right? Like, you know, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking, all right? So that's super easy. All right, so we have the no it We have the passive. Like, I'm not telling you what to do. Then we have, it gets a little bit more tricky now for this one, the dictators, all right? These are the people that will bully you. Alright, these are the people that will You know, they're a little bit over the top Alright, I'm going to ask Mr. Mike to be the dictator <laughs> Alright, I'm only picking it. There you go, you got it so, so give me a fist or give me a thing Like, like you, I'm going to tell you what to do Like I know you know, I know it all But it's not just enough to know it Like I'm going to tell you I'm going to demand something from you Then we have, let's see We have two, three more, okay We have the Gripers The gripers. The gripers are the people that nothing's ever good enough for them. They're always complaining. They're always. They're, always, uh, they're not interested in coming up with solutions, okay? They're always trying to bring you down. And so, Justin, you're going to be a griper today. <laughs> All right? So cross your arms. Give me kind of like, oh, my goodness, here we go again. <laughs> he just asked me to be on stage. No, no heads up or anything. Fantastic. Okay, so what do we have? We have, let's review real quick. We have the no-it-alls. Then we have the passive, right? Then we have the dictator, then we have the gripers, two more. We have the yes people. Okay, so Rob, give me a thumbs up. Yes. The yes people are the ones that overcommit. Whatever you ask them to do, they'll say yes, but they don't follow through. And sometimes that's a little bit frustrating because it's always yes, you know, but. They don't, ever, they don't ever follow through, all right? So give me a yes, all right? And then you're going to be, Bethany, you're going to be uh, the no people. Give me a no, all right? So the no people are similar to the Gripers. Where was my Griper? Right there. Similar to the Gripers, but when they come up with solutions and you ask them to help, they say, nope, I'm not going to do it, all right? All right, so you guys give it up for these people. You know, how do we deal, how do we deal with difficult people? Well, I brought, I brought some pills that, you, that I can hand out at the end of the service and just put it in their drink, and it'll just take care of business. You'll never have to deal with them again. No, I'm just joking, just joking. <laughs> how do you deal with them? Well, this is what Paul is going to talk about today. Okay, great, great insight. First thing that he says is this. When you're dealing with people that are difficult, how do you not fall victim to their... Um, you know their behavior because what gets us half of the time is our reaction, right? Like, but for most of us, we can keep our you know ourselves in line, but it's usually our reactions that get us in trouble. So I'm going to give you three from God's word relational pieces of advice. The first one is this: first thing that Paul is going to say, and we'll look at it here in the, in the verse. He's going to say, avoid working just to please people. Okay, so let's put that on the screen. Avoid working just To please people. Man, I cannot tell you how convicting this message is for me. I'm a people pleaser, and this is hard to practice. Avoid working just to please people. In verse 2, it's not on the screen, but if you look in your Bibles, verse 2, we read it earlier. Paul says, I went there. He's saying, I went to Jerusalem because God revealed it to me that I should go. Now this is really interesting. Let me tell you what's happening. There's a group of people called the Judaizers. The Judaizers were the ones that were saying, okay, you Gentiles, if you want to get saved, okay, good, but you need to trust Christ, but you also need to follow some rules. Most of them man-made rules. And so there's this little bit of a confrontation, friction between Paul. Paul is preaching all of, it's all about grace, right? And so Paul is preaching grace. The Judaizers, they're confronting him. They don't like Paul. And so there's friction. And what Paul wants to do is he wants to react. That's what we do, right? We want to react. Somebody's not doing something right. I want to jump on that immediately, right? And Paul says in verse 2, if you look in your Bibles, he says, in fact, a different translation says i went in response to a revelation in other words he waited on god sometimes when you're dealing with somebody that's a difficult person to deal with one of the best things you can do is just wait on the lord and i know sometimes you have to bite your tongue and sometimes you have to you know just breathe in the worst thing that you can do in that moment is reply back with the short text which you think is the right thing to say and it probably is. But it's not going to be the right thing to do in that moment. And so if you pay attention to what Paul is saying, it's like, I wanted to go so bad, but I waited on the Lord. I waited. I went because God revealed it to me. Now, he adds a little bit onto it. In verse 6, he he kind of expresses the same sentiment. Verse 6, we didn't go over it. Let's put it on the screen. There you go. Um, Basically, like, I waited until God gave me the green light. And he says, watch this. As for those who were held in high esteem, okay, whatever they wear makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism, they added nothing to my message so what Paul is saying is regardless of how important they they are regardless of their titles regardless of the their name recognition in the community regardless of how many uh, letters they have after their name regardless of who they are their importance or whatever people think of them I did not let them change the message that I was given the Gentiles now this is huge Paul is saying, you know what, I did not, I was was not submitting to their authority because my authority is coming from God. And he's saying exactly the same thing that he said in verse 2. I am doing what God asked me to do. Now, let me kind of flip it on you a little bit. How about you? When you feel pressure from your boss... When you feel pressure from your fam- that family member, when you feel pressure from friends, when you feel pressure from the culture around you, do you give in and do you work just to please people? Or do you do what Paul does and, and wait? And say, you know what? I'm going to wait until God gives me the green light. It's a great question. It's a challenging question. We're about to a story of three pastors, three spiritual giants, all right? Like these are like you know clergymen they're going to a lake and um, they're uh, they're wanting to get to to know each other they're in a small boat they're fishing for hours and one of the pastors says man guys I know we're trying to get to know each other so I feel like I need to confess Um, I've been having issues with my in my marriage and i committed an affair and the other two guys are, like, shocked. I mean, this guy is a pastor in the local community. Everybody knows him. They can't believe it, but they pray with him. They listen to him, help, try to help him through it. Then the other guy says, well, since you share, I feel convicted. I feel like I need to say something. Guys, I'm sorry to tell you, um, I have been, I've been we're, our family, we've been struggling with finances. And we've been taking money from the plate, and it's not right, and I know it's got money and all of that. And the other two are like, whoa, okay, what's what's going on? They couldn't believe this guy is a pastor in the community. You know, how could he be doing something of that magnitude? And uh, But they prayed with him. They kind of got through it, you know. And then it wasn't long after that, the third guy says, well, since you guys have been so convicted, I'm, I'm convicted too. And I'm sorry to tell you that my problem is gossip. Man, I've been gossiping. You know, and I can't wait to go back to town and tell everybody about you guys. <laughs> here's, a, here's a point, here's a point. Paul understood that people, at best, are imperfect representatives of a holy God. And that's something that you and I have to understand. People at, man, I love life Point. I love this church. God knows how much I love this. My fa- all time favorite church I've ever served, okay, in the last 20, 25 years of ministry. But this is a place of imperfect people. And I'm not saying that that's, we're just kind of like, okay, not care about what we do. No, 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 that's not the point. The point is what Paul says people will let you down. People will, if all you do is work to please people, you're going to end up like this this airplane this turkish airplane killed nine people you know why or how it ran out of fuel it ran out of fuel if all you do in life is work to please people guess what's going to happen you're going to run out of fuel and you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt those around you. It's not going to be pretty. And so Paul is very clear. He says it in a different letter, but he says it. says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for people. As working for your spouse. As working for your children. As working for your supervisor. As working for that family. No. Whatever you do, work at it as you're working to the Lord, not for men. So avoid working just to please people. Second relational piece of advice that he gives us really good. Avoid getting distracted. Avoid getting distracted. Man, we get, we get distracted so easily. I know I get distracted so easily. My dad sent me a video. Um, it's a video of eight balls that they're actually, each one of the balls is traveling a straight line. When you see the video, I'm going to show it here in a second, but when you see it, it looks like it's a kind of sort of an obstacle illusion. It looks like the eight balls are actually uh, on a, like they're a rotating circle, rotating inside another circle, okay? But if, you're, if you focus on a single ball, what you're going to see is that every single ball is actually traveling in a straight line. Can we, let's, let's watch it. Let's, let's show it. It looks like they're going in a circle, Right? But they're actually, each one of those circles is going, is moving in a straight line. Isn't that crazy? So, basically, life is like that. If you're not careful, you're going to lose focus. And your focus is going to be on somebody else other than Christ Paul gives us a a great example he says when you're dealing with difficult people look in verse 11 when you're dealing with difficult people he's he's telling us do not get distracted look at the example that he says he gives us this example of Peter says but when Peter verse 11 when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong so he's Paul speaking about Peter okay when he first arrived, when Peter first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. Okay, so Peter ate with the Gentile believers who were not practicing any of the Old Testament rules. But afterwards, watch this, afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. What change? Look at it, verse 12. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision so he got distracted he says as a result watch this other jewish believers followed peter's hypocrisy and even barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy now think about this for a minute with me this is peter we're talking about okay this is one of the giants of the faith when Paul was writing these words, I wonder, remember Paul, you know he's the guy that used to kill Christians, right? There's a little bit of trust issues because the guy's persecuted the church for so long. And then you have Peter, on the other hand, the guy that walked on water with Jesus. You have Peter who said, when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Remember what he says? You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And what does Jesus reply back to him and his disciples? He's like, Peter, Man, you are blessed because you didn't get this info from human traditions or from from other human beings. You got this straight from the Father, like God told you this. This is one of the giants of the New Testament. And so I cannot imagine what the New Testament believers were when they were reading the the letter of Galatians, and it's coming from Paul, and, and Paul is opposing Peter like this. I cannot imagine what they must have been thinking. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was saying Peter got distracted. And if Peter gets distracted, don't you think you can get distracted? You better believe it. It happens to all of us. We put our focus on that one person. And you know what they are. It's something that maybe they said twenty years ago. You know? It's it's something that they may have said when you started that new job and it was nothing they probably not even thought about it a second second time but your mind every time you work on something your mind goes there peter gets distracted he allowed his fear to take over he lost his focus just like those eight balls traveling on a straight line and you're thinking that they're actually traveling in a circle in the same way he lost focus it's hard to focus Focus is one of the greatest things that we can do in life. It it used to not be as big of a deal, but we have so many distractions in our world. The amount of information that you can receive from a little phone like this. It is, I mean, Apple came up with a new update called Focus, and it has been life-changing for me. Because now I can, if I'm working on a message and I need certain calls to come in but others not to come in, the little app, the new, the new update, it allows me to do that. It's one of the hardest things that we do because of the world that we, something is pulling it at you from one direction or another at all times. And so Paul says, when it comes to dealing with people, um, man, the fear of man it can take over your heart really quickly, and you gotta you gotta stay focused. And I, and I know for many of us, when we begin our spiritual journey, like we understand how how sovereign God is, and how majestic he is, and how incredible, and how He's above all things and all people. But somewhere along the lines, somewhere we have great intentions, but we get distracted. All right. So, number one, avoid working just to please people. Number two, avoid getting distracted. You should only surrender to one, to an audience. You only worship an audience of one. And last, and we're going to close with this. I'm going to ask our worship team to get in place. We're going to avoid jumping on the bandwagon, okay? We're going to avoid. How do you deal with difficult people? We, um, we avoid jumping on the bandwagon. So let me tell you what I'm talking about. I have a little bit of an illustration. Um, Avoid. What does that mean? Avoid jumping on the bandwagon. This is what we do. Sometimes we jump on other people's bandwagon. And thank you, Rob. Please don't, don't base, be, take it easy on me, all right? Because if, if I fall, this whole thing is going to... We're going to lose this illustration, all right? And It's not going to make sense. What we do in life, if we jump on other people's life uh, bandwagons, okay... When we do that, it's fun at times, right? Man, woohoo! You know, who said that you could ride, you know, in church, you know? But when you are on somebody else's bandwagon, you guys give it up for Rob, thank you, buddy. When you are on somebody else's life uh, uh, bandwagon, you know what you're doing? You're submitting to their control. Because wherever they choose to go, that's where you're gonna go. Whatever turns they take, they're That's you know You're submitting to their Their turns Wherever you know Whatever speed they want to go That's where you're going to And so it may be fun But at times It's dangerous Now let's put up the, The next slide If you don't mind So you can look at this As a result Other Jewish believers Follow Peter's hypocrisy They jumped on Peter's bandwagon Now watch this And even Barnabas Who was Barnabas? He was Paul's closest guy He was his right-hand man. But even Barnabas jumped on the bandwagon and was led astray by their hypocrisy. In our world, it's easy to jump when, when something's popular. That's why we have fads. That's why we have fashion trends, right? If there's a TV show that everybody's watching, it could be... As ungodly as all get out, you jump on the bandwagon. You know why? Because it's easy. You don't have to think about it. There's political bandwagons. There's diet fads that people get on all the time. God says, there's only one bandwagon that I want you to jump on, and that's mine. And he closes out the chapter... With this verse, can we put it up on the screen? Closes the verse with this. So, how do I deal with difficult people? This is what Paul says. He says, "My old self has been crucified with Christ. I gotta crucify this thing that we call flesh, because if it's not easy, it's not. It doesn't happen naturally. I gotta, I gotta pick up my cross daily. I gotta nail myself to a cross. It is no longer, he says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ." Lives in me, I'm jumping on His bandwagon. Next slide. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. I trust whatever speed He wants to go. I'm gonna. I'm trusting. I Man, if He's going a little bit faster than I want to go, I'm gonna hold on to, for dear life. If He takes a turn and I'm not expecting that turn, I'm on His bandwagon. Why? Because He's the one who loved me. He's the one who gave his life for me nobody else Do you know anyone else has given their life for you lately i don't know i don't have anybody i have people that love me but i i don't know anyone else who's given their life to for me so paul says he's how i deal with difficult people and i jump on his bandwagon let's pray father god we come before you and we just we thank you for how practical your word is And God, in a room this size, I know that it's easy, it's easy for us to want to please people. But God, we only serve an audience of one. We only worship one. And So Father, would you please help us not to jump on the wrong bandwagons, but God, would you help us to stay focused on you and you alone? And so I wonder, how many of you Here would say Pastor would you pray for me Man I gotta stop working to please people How many of you would say Would you raise your hand And you say Pastor pray for me Because I love to please people And I don't know how to do it any other way I see your hand see your hand Anyone else I see your hand God sees your heart Pastor would you pray for me Because I get so easily distracted Listen folks I'm preaching a message And all fingers are pointed my way And I told my wife earlier this weekend I was like Man, I just wish I wasn't such a people pleaser. I wish I wouldn't lose focus so much. One last question. How many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I've jumped on the wrong bandwagon. And it's a group of friends that, if I'm truthful, they're leading me in the wrong direction. How many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray? God, we know that you see our hands and you see our hearts. God, I ask that you would undo religion in our lives. We want to have a strong, unique, authentic relationship with the maker of all things. So we surrender, God. And as we sing this next song, we worship you. You and you alone are the desire of our hearts. We praise you today in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's stand up and let's put our hands together for those people who raised their hands earlier.